Welcome to episode four of Chapel Chats with Foxy and Beck. Foxy and I are chaplains at Ivanhoe Grammar and we're sometimes more commonly known as Mr. Andrew Fox and Mrs. Rebecca Gaskell. This week, Foxy and I spoke with Moira Kelly. Moira is known for her work as a humanitarian and has received honours such as an Order of Australia. You may have seen her on TV helping conjoined twins Krishna and Trishna have life-changing surgery or you may have seen her support her adopted son Emmanuel when he appeared on X Factor as a contestant. Moira has led an incredible life with her heart to show compassion and kindness after being inspired by Mother Teresa as a young child. She even met and worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Moira is selfless and a giving woman who has put herself in war-torn countries for the sake of others. Now we're going to jump straight into our conversation with Moira as she describes her childhood growing up in Melbourne. Australian and I come from a family of four brothers and a sister at school and I, those days we went to school in Carlton at um, St George's which is opposite the exhibition buildings and um, some of your young people wouldn't realise, but um, opposite exhibition buildings is a big apartment block there. But uh, actually what used to be there was a home called St Nicholas. For, and that was originally our first children's hospital, of course. One of our first children's hospitals was our children's hospital till it moved to Royal Park. Oh. So that became a home for people with dis- children with disabilities and kids who are in care. So it was like a sort of like a big institution, mm-hmm. but some um, it was Saint, called St Nick's. So, you know, the teacher always knew where they could find me or my friends at morning tea time and lunchtime, munching on my wagon wheel, which some of your young people won't know either, and watching the kids get on off their buses or looking at all the kids across there and thinking, oh my goodness, I wish I was old enough to go work with them. So it was a very young age. I just wanted to work with people with disabilities at that time and those kids. And so whether it was a compassionate thing or a yearling, I don't know, but it was um, my earliest memory was, was that wonderful place across the road from school. And that's where I spent my morning teas and lunches. Watching the kids here, Maura. <laughs> um, well, I understand from talking to Beck that you spent a bit of time um, in Calcutta with Mother Teresa at Mother Teresa's um, centre there. So we're just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, absolutely, yeah. And how you came to be yeah, there? I'd probably like to maybe correct you, but I can nearly guarantee that everyone in your school will know Mother Teresa. I'd be heartbroken if I, some of your students didn't know because um, I always use. Used... I, I think you probably would be correct in that. In fact, I'm pretty sure. We do Night of the Notables at Year 8, so she definitely appears at Night of the Notables in Year 8. So I reckon certainly all the kids that went through Year 8 hopefully definitely would know about her. Yeah, because I often say in my talks, I say, you know, there's one thing I can guarantee that our grandparents and um, our great-grand-grandchildren will know. They won't know who Eddie McGuire is and they won't know who the Kardashians are, but they'll know who Mother Teresa is. So I think she goes certainly all through those um, wonderful (laughs) generations. But as a young child... up in Carlton and I was an altar girl. I was one of the first altar girls in Australia, I think. They used to hide me from the priest or the bishop every time he came. But because you're an altar girl, you used to go to altar girl picnics. <laughs> so when I went to the picnics, um, we'd have that. And then sometimes you'd the, the priest would show you these wonderful films on wonderful people, the black and white sort of films. And it was then that I heard about Mother Teresa. And then suddenly at school, people started talking about Mother Teresa at school. So I, I became just enchanted by this incredible human being and never realised that people could do such beautiful things in their life. And so it was that where I suppose I used the expression, the seed was planted and it grew from there. And all I wanted to do, my dream was, I said for years, I was going to go to Calcutta and work with Mother Teresa. And years later I did, I sold my car 
and I didn't know. I remember going to the airport and my mum and dad were there and they were saying, okay. And my four brothers and my sister and my brothers were wearing sunglasses and they said, she's not really going, is she? And even at that age, you still think your mum can stop you. I said, oh, look, mum, I have a great place to work, a great place to stay and the sisters are going to come <laughs> and meet me at the airport. And, of course, none of that was true, but what she didn't know didn't hurt us. So that was the journey and I ended up in Calcutta for a year and came back <laughs> to Australia, saved up my money again and went back for another year. So one of my great loves is Mother Teresa and um, as, as we know, she's the world's greatest social worker, but um, she was a feisty Albanian uh, with the heart of an Indian and the world's great example of what compassion and service is all about. So, Maura, we're just so obviously you spent some time with over with Mother Teresa, and that had a big impact yep. upon you in your life. How has that sort of impacted how you've lived since you come, obviously, come back to Australia and, and the different things well, that you've I done think since it's then? Sort of the, the whole reason why I do what I do is because she was my first inspiration, and even though she's not with us, she still is. So, it's certainly um, I've all over the world, and um, some of my own children that I have with me now come from the sisters of Mother Teresa too. But, um, you know, if you ever have moments in your life where you doubt things or you're wondering what you're doing and or you're thinking, you know, there's a social justice issue here, you know, sometimes get out of your own skin and think, okay, what would the great people like Mother Teresa and the Gandhis do and where would Martha, what would Martha Luther King's take on this? So sometimes don't be afraid to step in there for, for a moment and always uh, sort of go on the side of caution in a maze of in a wonderful capital word called compassion. So rather than look at the statistics and the rules and regulations, always followed by the big C, which is compassion and caution, and see what they would do. So think like them rather than act like others. So I'm a great believer in that. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful world we live in and only we can make the difference and the world just needs people to be a bit more kinder. So Mother Teresa was the essence of all that. Okay, yeah, so definitely, the world definitely needs people that uh, to be kind and to yeah. practice compassion. Um, and so I understand from, from that 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 sort of inspired you. You mentioned before that your kids, do you mind telling us a little bit about about the kids that you've um, yeah. had with you or had with over the Yeah, so where it all started was um, after Calcutta, I popped into Africa for a year and um, worked in the Joburg and the townships and I spent a couple of years in the Bronx with the Krakenese babies and the homeless. But then I headed to Europe and I ended up spending the next um, eight years in Europe and uh, I was in charge of an Irish organisation for kids with AIDS in Romania for about a year, two and a half years. But it was then that I went to Bosnia where the war was on and um, I went there for six months but ended up staying for four and a half years during the war and it was there that um, I saw so many people who were injured or just couldn't obtain proper medical care at that, at that time. So... To make a long story short, that's where the journey really started was um, my work in, um, in Bosnia. And I don't know about the rest of you, but, you know, sometimes we always feel that someone can do it better or that we, we always never see that we can do something ourselves. And, you know, you hear about these people, you see movies on people that take these young people or injured people overseas to, you think, my God, they're the most amazing people. And, you know, no, I'm not worthy of such a thing. But I realised that I always thought you had to have three special qualities, was had to be... Um, some with lots of money or some with lots of experience or certainly someone, you know, who was very special. I, I didn't think I was any of those. But sometimes these things just happen. And so because of Bosnia, I started taking kids to America and Ireland for surgery. And then I started bringing kids to Australia. So it was when I was living in Albania after Bosnia that a nun told me about two boys who were living in Iraq. 
and they had problems with their arms and legs. And I was on my way to America with some kids for surgery at the time. And and so I came back and to make a long story short, I went to Baghdad and I met them. I travelled by taxi from Jordan. It's about an 18 to 20 hour journey by taxi. And I met these two young boys and sent their paperwork to Australia and I got the okay. And then it took me two years to get them out. And of course, those two boys, is one is, is Emmanuel Kelly and, and his brother Ahmed. And they were five and six when I brought them here. I met them when they were much younger. But uh, Ahmed's gone on to be a Paralympic Australian swimmer. He went to got a scholarship at Kerry Graham. He went to, also to Assumption College. Emmanuel went to Monovay College, and he's um, probably well-known for his singing now. He's uh, He was on this program called X Factor, which I didn't know much about at the time. And because he sang this particular song he sang, and it was quite inspirational, He's now his life has become music. He's in L.A. at the moment. He actually sang... With um, he's been mentored by Chris Martin from Coldplay, so Ahmed's been to two um oh, to two two Olympians, Paralympics, to London and to Rio. He's a world champion in the hundred breaststroke uh, in category three, and he's trained to go to Tokyo. And he's at university as well as at the AIS in Canberra. So Ahmed had his two legs taken off below the knees because they both had limb deficiencies. And he has no lower arms, but he sort of does everything, drives a car, has fixed everything in the house. He's amazing. Emmanuel has the first foot-to-hand transfer done, and he has one leg, and he has one sort of unusual hand. But they've gone on to achieve great things. And, look, I don't want them to be rich and famous. I just want them to be gentlemen and to always remember to help others and, and be loving people. So, boys. And then, as you know, Trishy and Krishy came to me through um, from Bangladesh. They were conjoined twins. Uh, they were craniopagus twins and they had all these surgeries over here in Australia and and they live here now and probably they're quite probably known to your students more than my two boys and they were probably at school during that time and uh, um, believe it or not, one little girl's in year seven, the other one's at a development school but um, one's got a lot of medical challenges but she's doing quite well and the other one's doing well at school and sport but they were um, craniopagus twins, which means they were the rarest type of conjoined twin in the world. So it means they were joined the head. So they endured many, many, many operations at the World Children's So apart from those children who live with me permanently, I also have other children who I've brought in from overseas over the past couple of years and for many years now. But um, I have some children from Gaza and from Pakistan and there's new children to arrive, but now with the covid 19 of course they choose those children can't come in now but we also in my home have women who are um, at risk and who have been displaced for some reason with children so we have displaced women from domestic violence or we have women who've been trafficked and women who have been severe domestic violence here within Australia so and they've got to have children so we we're sort of a, a, a bit of a mixed-up bunch but we all get on really well we live in Brunswick and um, we have two 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 places in Brunswick and we're hoping to get another house this year for more women and children. So that's some of the stuff we do. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, no, certainly like it's a, a, a wonderful family that you've, um, I guess, moulded together from all, all different parts of the world there, Moira. Well, Foxy, thank you for taking on that um, that interview there. We had a bit of technical difficulties, but I was sitting in and listening and, and really soaking up um, some really wise words that Moira had to say today. Uh, I think uh, one of the big takeaways for me was just that one person uh, could make a big difference um, to, to individuals and to um, 
our world to show such compassion and leadership in that area of um, loving people and um, giving people opportunity um, by, you know, going to war-torn areas. I mean, oh, my goodness. just um, You know, she risked her life um, for the sake of others when she could have lived in Australia very safely. Um, and I'm sure her parents would have preferred that too. Um, but, yeah, I think she's an incredible inspirational woman um, and, it, and it was a pleasure to hear from her today. Oh, what, what a, yeah, to like say? a great reminder of thoughts? the fact that we might not be able to change the world for everybody, but we can certainly change the world for, for one mm. person at a time. And um, I think just listening to her story, particularly mm. um, talking about her sons, and the way in which her her willingness to show kindness and compassion has like just totally impacted and transformed their lives was just amazing to hear. And obviously, uh, with the with the girls as well, mm. um, how she's continuing to to make a real difference in their lives. And so, for all of us, like I think if we can take one thing out of Maura's story is that, yep, we might not be able to change the world for everybody, but we can change the world for for one mm. person at a time. In, in lots of different ways and, mm. and maybe for all of us it's not we might not be able to go um like overseas and, and, and adopt someone but we could um mm. support an organization where we might be able to sponsor a child in a, a developing country or even just make a difference for people we come across yes. in our own lives it might be that kind word of that word of kindness or compassion that we say to someone that that actually like helps someone in a dark time or something like that as well so yeah inspiring that's right yeah, it was inspiring. So hopefully we can get her out to the school and um, meet her in person and have a um, great chat with her in person. And and her son, Ahmed, is supposed to be an amazing speaker as well. So it'd be great to um, have yeah, her no, definitely. at school at some point. And that's it for this episode of Travel Chats. If you'd like to find out more about Moira, you can look up her website at creatinghopefoundation.org.au. We hope you enjoyed today's chat. And as we all know, the landscape of at-home online learning is changing. Foxy and I are really looking forward to seeing some of you back on school grounds very soon. So until then, take care.